0: We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, good morning. If I haven't met you yet, My name is Emma. I'm lead pastor here at Hope Church, and I'm so excited for you to join us. Um, I tell you what, Christmas shopping has been super crazy. Uh, Anybody notice that they're like out of everything? Can we just be honest? Like, where did it all go? Apparently, is it your house? Because it's not at my house. Can I come to your house and go shopping? Because things are off the shelf. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Sincerely excited. Yes. Woo hoo! It's going to be amazing. It's going to be an incredible morning, and we are one week away, one week away from celebrations. Um, Who's excited for the food? Yes! So pumped for the food. Uh, Last night, we had an impromptu, uh, we we have an impromptu Minecraft Christmas party at our house. We had a family Christmas that got changed uh, and rearranged because of sickness, Um, and so me and my kids, I thought, how can we make this better? So I said, you know what, guys, we're going to have a Minecraft Christmas party in the basement. So at 4 o'clock, we all gathered, and we made pizzas uh, with French bread and cheese, and we all decorated our own pizzas, and and we went downstairs, and we played Minecraft as a family. I don't know if that excites your family, but it excites my family, and we had an amazing time. We have more traditions, though. That's a very untraditional Christmas thing to do, right? But our traditions on Christmas morning include uh, fresh-baked cinnamon rolls. I shared this before. And we all gather around the Christmas tree. Um, And yes, I mean yeast cinnamon rolls that I like make the night before and they refrigerate and then you take them out and you bake them. And I mean like fresh, ooey-gooey yeast cinnamon rolls. My kids literally talk about it the whole year. We're going to have cinnamon rolls. I don't know that they care about presents as much as they care about the cinnamon rolls. It's ridiculous, really. We also have a tradition um, that before anybody can open any presents, we all sit... And it's a tradition passed down from my father, and we all read uh, Luke chapter 2. So before anybody can touch or open any presents, we all want to hear the reason why we're exchanging presents. So we read Luke chapter 2. But this year, I might change it up. I might change it, and we might read Matthew, because Christmas isn't always clean and cinnamon rolls and fun and all of that. As a matter of fact... It's kind of messy. The original Christmas story is not just a clean version. uh, And we like the clean version. We like the one where the three clean magi are in clean clothes standing over a clean baby, even though he's in a manger in hay. And like the shepherds are over there and they're like, you know, you have it on your mantle. I just set mine up this week. Uh, And we have all of them and they're all like cheesing over baby Jesus And that's not exactly how it went down, guys. We know that that's not exactly what it looked like, but that's what we like. And often when we make it all pretty and all tied up in a bow and everything's gleaming and white, we miss that what actually happened was very dark and it was scary and there was a reality and we gloss it over. So we may never read Matthew 2 and we definitely don't read Matthew 2, verse 13 through 23. Never, ever on Christmas Day. But we're going to read it today. (laughs) We're going to read it today because we want to see what happens when we take the reality of what Christ walked into and we look at it in truth. Because honestly, it speaks more to what happens in our life. Because does anybody have a perfect life? Are there perfect shepherds and perfect people who arrive with perfect presence at the perfect time? No? No? Oh, good. Okay, good. Then we're going to look at the reality of Christmas and we're going to talk about it. So Christmas is complicated. And I don't mean the complications that we give it. I don't mean the trying to find the toys at the last minute. I don't mean the polypockets Pockets that are missing in aisle five that they said in the app were right there. Right there. Right I don't mean the, oh, my gosh, we have to go to Grandma's and Auntie Sue's and my brother's house, and then I have to jump over to my friend's house on Christmas Day, and everybody has to be in their best Christmas clothes and all that. I don't mean that kind of complicated. I mean a different kind of complicated. I mean the original Christmas was complicated. Mary and Joseph had to go to their hometown to pay their taxes. Can you imagine for just a minute that the the government told you you had to go where you came from? and pay your taxes in person. That would be a hot, holy mess. Can we just agree? How much travel would happen in the United States? How many people would be trying to get back to their home? Think about that, and that's exactly what was happening. In the day, it wasn't clean. It was crazy, and it was complicated. And we have Mary and Joseph going all the way back to where they came from to pay this crazy tax. There was no e-filing uh, in Caesars Town. There was nothing happening over in Rome that was going to make things easy, no. And also, can I just address for a minute, like, God had thousands, thousands of years to plan for this. I mean, the Bible does say that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, which is amazing, but he had thousands of years to plan for this. Can we ask why no reservation? Like, God, you knew that you were sending Mary and Joseph, but you didn't have a reservation for them. Like, come on. It seems a little complicated, right? And like, what in the world? Why has this happened? Yet, yet, in all of this, there's a purpose. In all of this, There's a purpose, and prophecies are God's way of calling out impossible shots and then making every one. Anybody ever play pool? Billiards? Yes. Back in the day, my husband and I played pool like pros. I mean, we bought cues. As a matter of fact, it's sad to admit, those pool cues are sitting in my basement collecting dust, and they were hundreds of dollars. But in pool, you got to call your shots, Right? You got to call the shot, eight ball, corner pocket, call your shot. You see, prophecies in the Bible are God calling the shot and then nailing it every single time. As a matter of fact, the prophecies made about Jesus, over 300 of them are him spelling out the exact ways that he was going to move all heaven and earth to spell out his love for you. It's insane when you think about it. The Messiah was going to have to come from four different places. Four different places. There would be the the place that he had to uh, come out of, Egypt, right? And it had to be the place where he was from, Nazareth, and the place where he was born, Bethlehem. There had to be a place that he was called back to, Nazareth. All of these things had to happen because God said it would happen. And so, while these prophecies are being fulfilled, there is somebody else who is actively trying to put a stop to it at every single turn. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Genesis 3? We talked about the original messianic prophecy made to Adam and Eve. Do you remember that? And we talked about the snake. We're going to talk about that again, but let's jump first into Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 18. When the Magi had gone... There they go, bum, 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 off into the wilderness, right, back home. It's all over with. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Bing! There's that place. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, and that's the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he'd learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Rama Can you imagine for just a minute weeping in great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more That is not the clean nice little version of the magi standing over the manger like oh baby Jesus No this is Herod losing his self This is women losing their babies this is a man trying to stay on a throne. This is a man wrestling with it. And Herod's plan all along was the death of Jesus. Herod was the original Grinch. Can we just be real? He didn't have a, like the green, right? He wasn't all furry, although I don't know, because they said he had this putrid sickness in his stomach that made his breath smell. And it was actually killing him at this time. He was actually dying At the same time, in the middle of all this. And see, he was the Grinch who didn't care about the who's either. Only the who, in this story, is Jesus and Mary and Joseph. He only cared about himself, ever. And there was something else driving Herod. Do you recall the snake? Do you recall this? Let's, Let's remember that he stopped at nothing because he thought he was the rightful king of the Jews. Remember, he killed his sons. He killed his wife. He had his mother-in-law taken care of too. And all of this led to a saying back in the day, they would literally say of Herod, it's better to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's kid. How messed up is that? That's how jacked up Herod is in all of this. It's better to be his pig than his child. But you guys, this wasn't original to Herod. This isn't just original to Herod, you'll recall Genesis 3 highlighted that the promise of the Messiah would crush the snake's head, remember? So let me ask you a question. If you were told, hey, next Tuesday I'm going to crush your head, what are you going to do between now and next Tuesday? You're going to figure out how to stop your head from being crushed. And this is what we see down through the ages. Genesis 3.15 said this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, the enemy was told from the very start, just know that your day is coming. That I'm going to send my son and he is going to take you out. You might strike his heel, but let me tell you, buddy, he's going to crush your head. It's coming and you better know it. And so the enemy takes all of creation and everything and each generation. He finds out, oh, it's Adam. Okay, so Adam's gonna be the one. Guess what? I'm gonna try and I'm gonna go after him. And he's nipping at Adam's at Abraham's heels. He comes after Abraham's family. He comes after the Israelites, right? And then it comes down to the line of Judah. And he says, oh, okay, it's Judah. All right, let's see if we can get him all messed up with Tamar and all of this wickedness. And we're going to see if we can really shred his family up. And so the enemy strikes at Judah. But does he win? Absolutely not. So he finds out, okay, it's David. David. It's King David. All right, so I'm going to twist into David's life. I'm going to go ahead and separate him from his throne. I'm going to mess this thing up. And we see the enemy snaking his way through every generation. Every time he founds out where the Messiah is hiding in the seed of man, he comes after him every single time, snipping at his heel. I mean, it just wasn't Pharaoh waking up one day with the Israelites and saying, you know what? Today would be a good day to like kill every Israelite baby. Now there was an enemy that was trying to take Israel out. And that enemy is the same enemy that's trying to take you out today. And when Saul woke up and said, you know what? I'm going to take David out and pins him with a spear. I mean, this man just wakes up seemingly one day with David, his BFF, David who goes off into battle, David who plays the harp and calms him, David, this same kid, all of a sudden one day he goes, okay, I'm going to come at you, bro. You're mine now. Why? Why after generation after generation do people snap and we see the descendant who would be the Messiah? Each and every line is chased by the serpent. It's chased by the enemy. Why? Because he wanted to stop God's plan. The desire to crush Israel exists because the devil knows his time is up. His time is up and he is going to be crushed. You see, Herod and the devil's plan failed. It failed fulfilling every divine prophecy that God made. And this is what's written about Herod. Verse 19 reads this way, And Herod died. He died. And he was no more. And an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Eight ball, corner pocket. And steps the Messiah into our reality You see, Herod thought that through death he could put an end to Christmas. But God knew that through Christmas he could put an end to death. For God so loved you that he would give his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Nothing can stop the promise of God. And the reality is that the first Christmas lacked that picturesque hot cocoa, candy canes, Polly Pockets presents, right? Come on. And it's a wonderful life. It wasn't there. And many of us sincerely enter into the Christmas season with an absolutely broken heart. This is the time of year that I honestly struggle the most It's hard. And for many of us, we've lost family members to COVID and friends. I can name names of people who are no longer here. Christmas is hard. And it's dark. And you live in a community that might be dark. Can I tell you that Seaford isn't all hot cocoa and rainbows and glitter and sunshine Neither is Bridgeville or Laurel. And I can probably guess that your family isn't all peaches and roses either, right? It's probably got some dark spots, right? And in Seaford, there's some dark streets and dark things happen. It's not perfect. And the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of what we get to learn is that even in the dark streets shineth an everlasting light. In your dark street shines an everlasting light. And our dark streets, our past, our pain, our darkness, and all the ugliness of humanity is actually the perfect backdrop for the light of Christ that cannot be extinguished. You see, God saved us just in the nick of time from the problem of sin and death that the enemy has lured us into. So how would he do this? Let me just remind you that Herod's plan was the death of Jesus. Interestingly, God's plan was the death of Jesus. But not in Bethlehem as a baby. Not in Jerusalem at the temple when he was 12. But hanging on a cross as a 33-year-old man willingly laid down his life he said, yes, I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll be hammered to the cross. Yes, I'll lay it down. No, I won't drink the myrrh. I won't numb the pain. I'm going to take it all. With every breath, ragged in pain, Christ is saying, I love you. I came for you. I'm going to do this for you. He laid his life down willingly. God's plan was the death of Jesus. You see, Herod was so tied to the treasure of this world. He wanted his throne and he gripped so tightly just to retain it. Oh, please, I gotta stay here. Why? Because his treasure was in the throne. His treasure was in this world. And if our treasure is in this world, then death takes us from our treasure. But can I tell you a truth this morning? If your treasure is in heaven, death takes you to your treasure. So where's your treasure? Are you like Herod still trying to grip it all and keep it all? Or no, are you going to let your treasure be in heaven where the moths and the rust don't corrupt? Where people don't buy all the stuff at Walmart and take it so you can't get any, right? There's no toilet paper in heaven. Amen. Come on, somebody. Right? And this is what Jesus gave up. All of heaven and earth, all of the throne, the angels and the glory. He gave up never feeling hunger so that he could be hungry here. He gave up never feeling thirst and never feeling pain and never feeling any of that. He gave up all of the power and all of the dominion that at one word, thousands of angels could come. He gave up the joy and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and God the Father in unison, in one. He stepped out of that and came for you. If I can convince you of nothing else at Hope Church, I hope it's this. God loves you. Philippians 2, 6-8 said, Who, and this is Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, he made himself in human likeness And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God left glory to come down for you. You see, the wages of sin are death. And that's why we die. The wages of sin are death. And true death, though, is being disconnected from God forever. I want that for none of you. And that's spiritual death. Spiritual death, results in an eternal separation from God. But that's why he sent Jesus. That's why there's hope. That's why we share the good news of Jesus Christ every single Sunday at Hope Church. That's why we give an invitation. That's why we encourage you after you say yes. That's why we follow up, because the hope of all eternity came down so that you could know the love of God. So this morning, I want to give you two things that I want you to write down, just two today. I know it's not the usual, just two. And if you get these, you're gonna be good to go for the rest of your life. So the first thing I want you to write down, God loves me. I want you to tattoo it on you if you have to. God loves me. Write it on your mirror. God loves me. God loved me so much that he left the 99 and came after me. Write it on a post-it note and put it on the dashboard of your car. God loves me. Write your name. God loves me. God loves Emma. The Emma that came from Seaford. God loves you who came from where you came from. Write it down. God loves Loves me because if I could just get you to really believe that God loves you, you would be unstoppable. You would be a force for His kingdom that would never ever doubt yourself ever. Because, can I remind you that God left everything to show you His love? He loves you. The second thing I want you to remember is this. My yes is God's amen. When you say yes to Jesus and when you make that declaration and you make that choice, you are joining in on what God has done through Christ and you are saying yes, his will, yes to his way. You're saying yes to every promise that's in Christ Jesus, and God is saying, amen, let it be so. When you come into agreement with what God says about you, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the enemy is defeated, done, crushed in your life. And you don't have to sin anymore. And you can walk away from impurity. And you can walk away from lying. And you can walk away from dishonesty. And you can walk into holiness. And you can walk into righteousness. And you can walk into heaven. And all of the glory that comes with it. Your yes is God's amen. It is finished. He has written it and it is done. Listen to what it says. Romans 3, 8, 38. For I am convinced... That neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now it says our Lord. Can we just get real for a minute? Is he your Lord? Because if he's not your Lord, then all of that that was just stated is negligible. The reason why he says in Christ Jesus, our Lord, is because the Lordship of Christ needs to be in your heart. Keep Christ first. When you wake up in the morning, let it be the first thing you do is say, yes, amen, God, yes, to Jesus every morning. I am telling you, and I do not make this up. You can ask my husband, my practice is as soon as my eyes are open, my Bible's open. And before I can even wipe the sleep out of my eyes, I am making sure that I am reading God's word and saying, yes, Jesus, yes, God, I am praying. No coffee, no nothing happens until I align my life and I say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And the enemy goes, oh, snap. Here she comes. You're darn right. And the same is true for you. When you say yes to Jesus, Even in the dark street, there is an everlasting light. Where's your dark street? Is it your workplace? Is it dark there? Congratulations, you're the light. Shine, baby. Shine. In the dark street, shines an everlasting life. And he didn't call you just an ordinary life. He called you to an abundant life. More than you can ask or think. It's amazing. I want to give you the opportunity this morning. Maybe you're here and you've followed Jesus for a long time, but you haven't really, uh, haven't really connected to him lately. I want to help you reconnect, if that's all right. Maybe you had a relationship with him in the past, but you'd be slipping. And you haven't made uh, Jesus Lord for a while. And you've kind of let the enemy... Nip at your heels and kind of snake through your life. I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. You can pray your own words or you can pray the words that I'm praying with you, but I want to give you an opportunity to realign yourself with God and to make him Lord of your life one more time. Yes and amen again, Lord. I'm going to do it. So close your eyes with me and we're going to pray together. God, I need you now. Father, would you help me? I need you. I need to know you in the power of the resurrection. And I want to know you in the fellowship of suffering. Jesus, you came to suffer so that I wouldn't have to suffer alone. God, I say yes. I say, I'm back. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to recommitting. I'm coming back and I'm saying, I don't want my treasure to be in a throne on earth. I want it to be in heaven with you. So I can re- recommit my life to you today. I say yes again. Yes, I'm back. Church, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning. I would love to give you an opportunity to take it one step further. You can text that uh, I'm back to 94000 or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen. And I dare you to because I'm going to text you. And yes, it's me. Yes, I actually text. And I want to talk to you and I want to tell you that I'm proud of you But I also want to go into a Bible study with you to be quite honest so that you can get back on track and fully uh, on board with the Lord being the center of your life. I go through it with you and it's all digital. Isn't that cool? It's the coolest thing ever. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life, this is the best day you will ever have. Because you can say yes right now. You can say yes, I am going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And we're all going to pray with you because we are all excited that this will be your first day. Would you pray with me? If this is your first day saying yes, pray, pray this prayer and just know that the Holy Spirit is with you. Father, I say yes to you today. I say that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life, Jesus, today. I want to have my treasure in heaven. I want to crush the enemy in my life. And I want to be a light in the darkness. I say yes. I confess that I've sinned. I don't always live the way you want me to. But I'm asking you to take over from now on. Forgive me and help me to live your way. Because I know, Lord, it's better. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, I want to walk beside you too. If you said, yes, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus for the first time today. Please, please, please take your phone out. We are a phone-friendly church and snap that QR code. It'll take you right to your text and you can text that and we'll be doing a Bible study with you too. It's all available to you. And if you don't want that, that's cool. Still, still do this and just ignore my text, I guess. I don't think you want to, though. It would be amazing to walk with you on a journey. I am so excited for you to walk into whatever dark street that God has called you to. I'm so excited because I want you to know this promise. From this day forward, no weapon formed against you will prosper. From this day forward, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. From this day forward, you are a victor and there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord, from today on. And that's the good news that you can take back into your dark street and shine. That's the hope and the promise of every day that you walk with Jesus. And it's the hope you carry when you walk out of these doors. So today, go be a hope dealer. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday, 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware, at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening.